You're listening to Randall Wallace Presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American history podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com. Well, my mother had never been back to the White House since she left, and I think the only time she went was in 1971 when um, President and Mrs. Nixon invited us to go and see the official portraits. Uh, my brother and I had had to pose for this uh, portrait painter as well as uh, while he was painting my mother's portrait, and we really uh, loathed and despised every minute of it. But um, so we weren't, uh, we were very excited about going back to the White House and seeing the official portraits um, uh, much more than we were about any other part of the portrait uh, painting experience. But um, Mrs. Nixon went uh, out of her way because she knew that my mother was reluctant to come back to the White House. It was really something that brought back so many memories for her, uh, so many painful ones, as well as happy ones. And so she had, my mother had decided that she wasn't going to go back. And, um, but she felt an obligation uh, to continue the tradition of viewing the official portraits. And so Mrs. Nixon arranged for it to be a private uh, family visit. And it allowed my mother to go back to the White House with me and John without uh, a lot of attention. And I think that that was really very meaningful to her, and it certainly was to us. Um, President Nixon sent a plane for us, and I remember we were so excited to get on the plane, and everybody was so nice, and um, they had the special uh, food that we remembered and the special matches with the White House insignia on it, so we were all excited. And when we got there, um, the president and Mrs. Nixon and Julie and Tricia took us all around and showed us the White House, and uh, their dogs were there, and um, that was very exciting for us. And John's letter talks about um, when he got home, our dog was sniffing him and sniffing their dogs, and maybe the, our dogs remembered the White House. So it was really a nice family um, get-together. And I think everybody, obviously, I could tell that all the adults were a little apprehensive about the whole thing, but, um, but it was a really lovely dinner. And um, and John spilled his milk all over the table, which put everyone at ease. And uh, and then um, I think it allowed my mother to share a lot of her memories with us. And I think she really appreciated Mrs. Nixon's thoughtfulness and the sense that there are uh, family values and a dedication to politics and patriotism that go beyond uh, any disagreement on issues or party. And so I think uh, one of the things you learn having lived in the White House, is that there really are these common experiences and what we share is so much larger than what, we, what divides us. Listening to Nixon and archivist reflections on his work with the White House tapes, Fall 2007, Volume 39, Number 3, by Samuel W. Rushe, from Prologue Magazine from the National Archives. In February 1971, the Secret Service, at President Nixon's instructions, installed a secret taping system in the White House. The system was sound activated, which operated automatically, and was tied to the Secret Service presidential locator system. When President Nixon entered a recording area, the beeper he carried signaled the recorder to switch to a record pause mode. The tape machines began recording whenever microphones picked up 
any sound. The tapes were located on the White House telephones, including the telephone in the Lincoln sitting room, in the Oval Office, in the President's hideaway office at the old Executive Office building, the EOB, in the Cabinet Room, and in the Aspen Lodge at the President's retreat in Camp David, Maryland. President Nixon installed the taping system because he wanted his administration to be the best chronicled in history. He also wanted an accurate record of his meetings without the inhibiting effect of note-takers. His Chief of Staff, H.R. Haldeman, wrote that Nixon wanted to be able to correct accidental and intentional misrepresentations of what had been said during his meetings. Nixon, who found the presence of note-takers intrusive, also wanted to ensure that accurate translations would later be made of meetings with foreign leaders, and he planned to use the tapes to write his memoirs. After his resignation, Nixon sought to control of his presidential materials, but Congress stepped in and passed the Presidential Recordings and Materials Preservation Act in late 1974, which required that they be in the custody of the National Archives at a location in the Washington, D.C. area. Nixon challenged the act's constitutionality, but it was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. There is immediacy to the tapes. They give the listener a sense of experience history as it happens. One becomes a fly on the wall, eavesdropping in the White House as decisions are made and history unfolds. One hears as Nixon strategizes about foreign and domestic policies, obsesses about public and media relations, crafts a speech, plots acts of revenge against his enemies, reflects on the role of the presidency in American life, deals with Congress, performs ceremonial duties, discusses issues, politics, and scheduling, and otherwise proceeds through his workday. Nixon could be petty, bigoted, profane, obtuse, and small-minded in one breath, and statesmanlike, pensive, diplomatic, far-sighted, and insightful in the next. It is a fascinating mix that sheds considerable light not only on the 37th president, but also on the institution of the modern American presidency. Tape review is hard work and takes a lot of time. For one thing, many of the Nixon tapes are hard to hear, especially as recorded in the president's hideaway office in the old executive office building. Among the numerous noises on the tapes that obstruct sound and audibility of words are clattering drinking glasses, cups and dishes, the shuffling of papers, coughing, sneezing, mumbling, especially by President Nixon, people speaking at the same time, the whirring of a helicopter on the White House grounds, the knocking of a knee or an elbow against the Oval Office desk, which housed tiny microphones, tapping fingers, chirping birds, a ticking clock in the EOB office, and doors opening and closing. Nixon also frequently changed topics midstream and made cryptic allusions, which add to the challenge of deciphering intelligible conversation. Some of the conversations on the Nixon tapes are mundane, while others are eye-opening, exciting, amusing, and thought-provoking. The Nixon tapes are perhaps the best-known and relatively ignored archival collection by the National Archives. Few researchers use them, with the notable exceptions of books about the Supreme Court by John Dean, about the Vietnam War by Jeffrey Kimball, and about terrorism by Timothy Naftali, who, who at the time of this article was written was the director of the Nixon Library, and a few articles by scholars such as Ken Hughes and Craig Daigle. There is little scholarship that uses the Nixon tapes extensively. Since this article was written, of course, Luke Nichter has uh, transcribed and, and watched them all. He's now kind of the leading authority on Nixon. Until recently, the tapes were not widely available. Before 2001, researchers could not even make copies of them. They had to come to the National Archives in College Park to hear them. That's now changed. The Nixon tapes, like any archival evidence, have their limitations. 
Nixon's former chief of staff, Alexander Haig, made that point a few years ago to a colleague of mine who introduced himself to Haig at a hockey game in Washington, D.C. When Haig heard that my colleague worked with the Nixon tapes, he warned him not to believe everything he heard on the tapes. He probably was referring to Nixon's tendency to think out loud, to discuss many different options he could take before deciding on one, and to make comments out of anger and frustration. A vivid illustration of this tendency came in April of 1972 during a discussion of military responses to a North Vietnam Spring Offensive in South Vietnam, when he offhandedly suggested to Kissinger the possible use of nuclear weapons in Vietnam. Researchers using the tapes are advised not to take them at face value. It is important to keep them in context, to understand Nixon's motivations in saying what he said. A tough task because Nixon had often had several motives in mind at once, and to use them with other archival materials. Researchers should also be aware, on the rare occasions, mainly during Watergate, when Nixon remembered he was being recorded, he tried to manipulate the tapes to say, saying exculpatory things that put him in a good light. But the Nixon tapes revealed the deliberative process behind presidential decisions in a way that textual materials do not. They show aspects of decision decision-making that are very real and important but are seldom seen on paper. Emotions, personal motivations, biases, prejudices, and verbal cues and subtleties such as tones of voice and inflection. Behind decisions on matters great, small, and in between. President Nixon is quite frank and candid on the tapes which he never believed would become public. In several tape recorded in several tapes recorded in April and May of 1972, one can hear Nixon's thought process before his decisions to blockade the Haiphong Harbor in response to North Vietnam's invasion of South Vietnam a few weeks earlier. The complete archives of the Nixon presidency are more than the textual documents. The tapes are not just an invaluable resource that provides color. They are also an essential part of understanding what took place in the White House, in America, and in the world during 1971 to 1973, a critical time in the nation's history. Samuel W. Rushy Jr. is supervisory archivist with the Truman Library in Independence, Missouri, where he also worked from 1993 to 1997. From 1997 to 2007, he was an archivist and subject matter expert at the Nixon Presidential Material Staff at the National Archives at College Park, Maryland. A Columbia, Ohio native, he also holds a doctorate in U.S. history from Ohio University. Thank you.
Welcome to Bridging the Political Gap. This is Randall Wallace, and you just got the inauspicious very first tape ever recorded on the Nixon taping system. And as Mr. Rushy, who was the person who wrote what I abbreviated, an article that he wrote about the taping system, uh, summed up pretty well uh, that the quality of these tapes uh, can be tough at times. It was an unusual taping system where Lyndon Johnson taped uh, his phone calls uh, Nixon had a device hooked to him that uh, recorded everything, and uh, that's not always good. And you will see uh, or, or listen to throughout the, the tapes that there's a lot of things on them that I'm sure uh, President Nixon probably wishes weren't. <laughs> and uh, there are rants, there are uh, racist comments or bigoted comments, there are... Uh, you know these offhand BS sessions that that they're having in the in the office, and and some of those are indefensible. But I would say that you also have to weigh that with what someone says in private with their record, and and there are anti-Semitic comments made. But he is the man who saved Israel. He's the man who put Henry Kissinger in charge of foreign policy. He had William Sapphire and Lynn Garment and several other. Uh, Jewish people uh, high up in in the office. He is a man who made some racial comments that that are not good towards African Americans, and yet he is the man who instituted affirmative action and put money into black entrepreneurship and business enter enterprises and and uh, and and desegregated the Southern school system. So uh, you got to weigh all that, and and, and it is a complex thing that. Uh, that does happen when you, when you, when you record every conversation that you have in an office. But these tapes uh, are at times uh, difficult to understand, as, as as he said. They're also hard to research on, um, and this is something that I do not understand about the National Archives. Uh, when you look at the Lyndon Johnson tapes, generally speaking, they're very easy. That's Lyndon Johnson's talking to Dean Rusk on such and such a date and you have it there and sometimes they even have the the subject matter a lot of these tapes are done um, on two hour reels and all you have is rmn uh, uh, e slash e 27 down slash 57 and you got to figure out who and what that is to find the conversation on, on and figure out who he's talking to and it makes researching it if you are if you if you are trying to very hard to do. Now I will give credit, Luke Nickter and the NixonTakes.org site has done an excellent job of, um, of at least getting it where you can find something. And uh, and so uh, I would give his site credit. But uh, we're going to listen to these are the first you just heard the first, very first one, and then a little bit later Nixon comes back and they have two more conversations, uh, and those are the first ones of the taping system that uh, is a twofold thing. On one hand, it brought the, uh, unfortunately, it was used to bring the administration down, uh, but it also records some of the greatest and most historic moments in the history of the United States. Uh, 
a twofold thing. And unfortunately, I, I think because of Watergate, we may never have this kind of access uh, to eavesdrop on an administration again.
host for Bridging the Political Gap. I want to thank you first for tuning in to our podcast and invite you to come to our website, randallwallace.com. There you can get a copy of our book, Always Vote Your Conscience, Don't Take It Personally, and Don't Fight the Same Old Battles Over and Over Again, with a lot of policy suggestions and things that I think everyone can embrace, an argument for why we need to be working together instead of fighting with each other. Also, you can take a look at the first 11 episodes of this podcast, which was a podcast documentary that looked at the World War II generation of bipartisan leadership that built the American century and the lessons we can learn from them to apply to today's situations. Again, thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And if you've enjoyed our show, 
please leave us a review at wherever you get your podcast. And now, let's get back to the show. short point on your question, which I think is a terrific question, which is uh, the tapes that I actually find more interesting in some sense than the Nixon tapes are the LBJ tapes. Because in the LBJ tapes, you don't see a terrible, corrupt, tortured mind railing about people and failing to think about the good of the country. You actually see a president being a president, using the levers of power, and that is the sort of thing that I think we really will, you know, report, I'm a, as big a believer in reporting, though not as good a reporter um, as Bob and Carl, but that's the thing that we will really miss from not having that again. Let's get another question. Um, yes, ma'am, right here in the black. This is uh, truly a, a laughable charge or comment by the Washington Post uh, editor and, and columnist Ruth Marcus. She was uh, moderating a a forum of the Washington Post reporters that they were celebrating their big moment from 40 years before in Watergate. But uh, if you've ever owned or listened to any of the LBG t- LBJ tapes, uh, you get a dose of a man who's very capable of all types of shenanigans and biases and remarks and multiple faces and, and, and all the rest of it. And I say that, and I actually like Lyndon Johnson, but to, to, to try to uh, to describe it the way she has is is so much different than Nixon tapes is really a, just a laughable charge. Uh, but beside that, to characterize Nixon the way she does in this is ignoring his extraordinary record of, of service and his skills. And we're going to take a listen to um, some tapes that we have. One of them is him dealing with a mayor uh, and the National League of Cities and the Urban League and um, several of the things about revenue sharing and um, some of his new federalism programs where he's working with cities and he's trying to find out, you know, why their reaction is what it is. And, and you see he's got a pretty good grasp of the policy he's pushing there. Then he's gonna, we're going to go to a tape reel where you're going to really get to see President Nixon go back and forth, uh, whether it's he's dealing with a bill he's trying to get passed through Congress and he's working congressmen thanking them for their vote that day. He's also going to talk to Secretary of State Bill Rogers about a NATO conference and Southeast Asia and several things he's got going on uh, on the world stage. And then later on, you're going to hear uh, Secretary of Labor George Schultz come back and talk to him about uh, a railroad strike. So this is going to be a wide-ranging set of phone calls over the next little while, and you're going to get a grasp of the part of the tapes that you never hear because... For the last 50 years, all you've really heard is abuse of power and the Watergate tapes uh, or something that makes Nixon look really bad that might be some offhand uh, BS session he was having. There's a lot of tapes out there that show Nixon uh, doing the job and his grasp of it, and that there's just not a lot of money for researching that and, and or interest in researching it because everybody's so much more interested in uh, the, the charges that were made because of Watergate. But there is a wealth of really good things here. Um, uh, later on, we're going to point to his work to get our POWs out of Vietnam 
as a good example of it. So here is Richard Nixon at work doing the job of President of the United States. Hello. President, how are you? Mr. Mayor, I want you to know two things. One, we had a very good meeting this morning with your... Yeah, and uh, all your... Uh, well, we had the, the, uh, on revenue sharing, the, uh, the, the conference of mayors, the conference of state legislators, the conference of the League of Cities, etc. So I saw a lot of your friends, and we're really giving a push to it. And uh, But I, as I had the meeting, I thought of the, the work you had done, and... Uh, uh, what are you finding? Uh, what is the what is the reason for it, Mayor? Is that why are they disenchanted with the? Well, they like what we're doing on revenue sharing. I know, but are they disenchanted with the other fellow? Is that it, or what? I think mainly, uh, at least from some of the Democrats, that uh, they just can't buy this other program. Because I think you find the people out here in California just local government, yeah. nonpartisan, are pretty responsive. Oh, I know. And uh, they just we're not, you, don't believe this stuff. Your fellows, for example, are, as I recall in the old days, are, the mayors in California, basically, even though they're Demo they have a D or an R after the name, it really means that they are nonpartisan. Absolutely. In fact, we can't put our party uh, registration on the ballot when we run. That's right. I know. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Good. Good. I like that. I'd forgotten that system. <laughs> <laughs> there's one other thing as yeah. I have you. We're celebrating. You've had letters before this. Year is San Leandro's centennial bicentennial. Yeah. And we have struck some silver medallions. Didn't right. You? And number one, I've been saving for you. And I think if you'll be in town, you get a photo with you when I present it, that's going to go real good in the campaign. When will you be in town in Washington? Down Thursday, Friday. Friday. I could do it uh, Friday, Friday morning. Fine. If you just uh, contact, uh, would you contact Bob Haldeman when you get in there? Sure will. We'll, we'll do it Friday morning. That'll be good. We'll get a picture, and that'll be a fine thing. I'd love to do it. All of Bob Haldeman for Friday morning. Yeah, Bob, I'll inform him, and then we'll approve it on the schedule. I'll hold some time. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Yes, Secretary Rogers, please. Thank you, sir. Hello. President. Yeah. Well, hello, Mr. President. We have a, a little, uh, as usual, I'm at the, uh, they're going to have an SST vote again this afternoon, so I can't go out. I think we may win it in the House. So uh, if we resuscitate. <laughs> the other thing is that uh, we're doing everything we can to keep Scott and Griffin to, to delay the vote on Mansfield's thing, because uh, I can think of nothing that would be worse at the present time than to have the jackass Senate go off on a, let's bring half our troops home, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that really tear the Europeans apart? No doubt. <laughs> is there anything I can do? I, I Well, I, I tell you what, the main point is that I want you to know that I've got, I've talked, I've got McGregor working on everybody else. Henry talked to them about in terms of the of the necessity to, to delay. If You see, they were going to vote today or tomorrow. That'd kill us. But if we can get some delay, then then I think we've got to work on them one by one. Mm -hmm. And the point is, you know, that's frankly, look at our Jewish friends. Good God, if we pull, pull out of Europe, what the hell are you going to do in the, I mean, uh, what's it going to be for Israel? Hmm? That's right. And also, but it's bigger. The point is, all this has to do with our relations with the Russians. We're ready to deal on these things. But they, what a victory they would have. Wouldn't, uh, and you've just come back from there. Let me ask you what the one... So I'm just going to NATO. We have a NATO meeting. Let me, let me ask you this. And... Uh, 
Possibly when I get through these calls, maybe uh, we can get together later this afternoon. Okay. And because uh, I, but I was going to say, it may be that you ought to have try to have a a meeting where you just get them in, you know, the, the, the key people, and say, now look here, we just have to step up to this thing. You see, they'll take it from you better than they'll take it from Laird or That's anybody right. else. That's right. And, they'll, and you've just back from Europe, and you say, look, fellas, we, we're all trying to do the same. See, Mike is selling this. Now, let me, let's understand Mike's position. Mike, Bill, has always been for cutting NATO in half. Yeah. You know, always. This is not new for him. He believes it, and I understand that. But now, what is happening is this is self-destructive instinct is now permeating so many of the others and they want to rush around and do it with the trap bill and bring him bring him back but uh, if we could just point out that look look what we're doing and you know with your chart show that we're cutting down our troops abroad we and we are ready to negotiate on Europe you know talk give them a little give them a little nonsense about well, European course, security uh, conference and all sure, that. I can do that see but it doesn't make any sense at all and particularly not even to have hearings on my god this is a, yeah. a major yeah. shift in yeah. our foreign policy yeah. well the the uh, the one fellow that if you could call now would be helpful, I'd just call, uh, you know, Stennis wobbles sometimes. He does? Well, he wobbles not only, he doesn't believe, but he just wobbles when he doesn't think he'd have the votes. But I don't think we need money. But if you could give uh, give uh, maybe Scott a call oh, sure. and tell him, now look here, uh, stand firm on this thing. Um, and, uh, that, uh, we, and, and then let's set up maybe some seminars right. where you... Uh, you bring them in, and as a matter of fact, uh, we might even do it at, at the highest level. We might bring in, say, a, a bunch of people at the cabinet room or over the White House. I would sit in for a while, and then I'd turn it over to you, and then you crack them, see? Because you're just back, and then you could give them a report on your trip generally, and then but hit this thing so hard, because these fellows... Uh, just like the, the whole sense that you know that I think you can get out of your trip report is to say, look, we're doing very well on the world, fellas. We got a lot of friends in Europe. People have confidence in us. You're going to destroy this confidence with this kind of a move. Isn't that really what it gets down sure, to? Sure. We have a NATO meeting coming up, you know, in two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Too. We'd be pulling the rug right out from you before oh, NATO. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll I wonder. I don't know. If there's anything you could do with Mike himself, but I don't know. Well, I might. Let's, uh, let's Thank be sure we orchestrate it pretty carefully, though, so we don't. Well, nothing, nothing is done here except that the that uh, McGre uh, that Scott McGre and Scott and Griffin came down, talked to Mc McGregor, mm -hmm. and uh, they got uh, Henry, and we gave, and said, we said we just couldn't buy it from a from a substantive standpoint, and we just urged delay. So we, what we're trying to do is to get a week's delay. Are you going to see Aiken? Somebody told me you're going to see Aiken and Cooper and Scott. <laughs> well, someday. I don't know they're on right now, but uh, I could. No, I, do, I didn't mean that. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I just want to be sure we're coordinated. No, I have no plans at the moment. I am going to see Brooke on Friday because I promised to see him a month ago. But I get, that's the only way I was got, it, got him to get off of some resolution. But uh, maybe this is the time to see Aiken and. Well, Cooper. let me let me uh, feel it out. Well, you jump right in. I'll tell you what you do. You feel out Aker, Aiken. You feel out Cooper. Mm -hmm. But also on the Democratic side, if we could, uh, if we could, uh, let's let's think of some of the Democratic. Uh, now, for example, Muskie, for Christ's sakes, he came back from his trip abroad, and George Ball turned him around, you know, on Europe. So, uh, yeah, you remember, Muskie changed. He said yeah. he was against it, so so after all, uh, I don't see how he can do it. Here's the point about this. This is altogether different from Vietnam. See, it's always been that way. The Democratic Party has been schizophrenic about Asia and Europe. 
mean, we're one-worlders, they're two-worlders. Mm -hmm. they're, they're willing to do anything in Europe and nothing in Asia. No. That's why the that's why Korea was difficult for them, so Vietnam is. But in Europe, this is their baby. I mean, after all, NATO is a democratic baby, you know, and, and, and George Ball and people like that know this. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, incidentally, has, has, has called down. He called down and talked talk to Henry today and said he'd go do anything he could. He'd come down, work on people individually. So maybe that'll help a little mm -hmm. on the Democratic side. Mm -hmm. Well, what I would do, could you call Cooper and could you call sure, I'll, Aiken? I'll get into it right away. Aiken and call Scott. Yeah. Let me know. I'll be here all morning. Will you have your people uh, let me know, too, so oh, yes. what they're doing? Yeah, well, that, that's what the reason I'm calling you okay. is to, to let you know that we're going to yeah. get it. And, I, I, and what we want to do is to, frankly, I want you to get into it, but I don't want Mel to get into it too much. He's not feeling well anyway. Right. And uh, we'll, but we'll uh, uh, work out the surprise. Fine, Mr. President. Yeah. Mrs. Nixon's at the hairdresser. Shall I reach her there, sir? Oh, no. That's our uh, caller. Congressman Ford, sir. Hi, Mr. President. Well, you made it. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And uh, tell well, you, we've got yeah. some guys that really yeah. stuck their necks out. So. Well, I'll tell you, if you would, uh, I, I just uh, got a hold of Timmons, and I said to get the, get us a list, and I'll get a little few notes down there, and so that, uh, you know. It would be very yeah. helpful. Now, who was the, the fellow that helped you mainly on the Democratic side? Uh, uh, Eddie Boland. Boland. And Jack, or John McFall of California. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that really did the job for us. Yeah, yeah. How do the fellows feel? Oh, they feel great. Even the ones that were against us uh, yeah. uh, agree we put a real shot in the arm. Yeah, yeah but is, it, is the spirit good on it, Jerry? There. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's unhappy, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the ones that lost know we put on a good fight. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, it's, uh, it uh, turned it around. Now, uh, now, uh, now, now on the Senate side, I, uh, you've got people working on them already, I suppose. I haven't started there yet. Yeah, I know. But uh, I think well, uh, Cranston and Tunney and... And Gambrell. Uh, they're the keys. Yes, sir. Well, I think with Anderson, Scoop ought to be able to switch him around. Right. There's one. Right. And uh, I'm going to try Cooper myself just uh, right. on a personal basis. That could be two. But uh, whether you get one of those other three and that... Fellow from Florida, somebody ought to get to him. And another, can't George Meany switch Hubert around? He's always very flexible. Well, particularly in view of the fact that it's a different, if, I'll tell you, if there's any way you can describe this as a different vote than the other one. See my point? Right. Now, if you can figure out a way to do that, I think you could get Hubert switched. Well, uh, there are some cost figures that yeah. persuaded some of our guys. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I congratulate you. That was a you know, really a courageous job, and and it's, it'll have far uh, far flung repercussions if we can, even regardless of what happens. But at least it goes to conference now, doesn't it? Right. They have to take it to conference. And when it goes to conference, the house isn't going to yield, is it? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But if we could win over in the Senate, boy, we're back on the yeah. track. Okay, Jerry. Thank you Thank for you. calling, Mr. President. Please. Would you get me uh, Congressman Aarons, please? Yes, sir. I'd like to, now there are two or three other calls you'd place. Frank Bow of, of Ohio, Congressman Edward Boland, B-O-L-A-N-D, of Massachusetts. B-O what? B, B Boland, B-O-L-A-N-D, B-O-L-A-N-D, Boland. Yes, sir. Edward Boland and John McFall of California. 
Congressman Aarons is on the line, sir. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Well, you uh, want a close one. <laughs> oh, Mr. Red. Yeah, I just want to tell you how pleased I was, and I've uh, been trying to reach you earlier, but you were running around. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, where you been, out of Burning Tree? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not with that. Not with that. Well, that was a wonderful job, a wonderful job. Real hard work. Yeah, it's it's great. Now, uh, you know, just good, good conferees, because we'll, we'll force that Senate, you know, even if we lose it there, we uh, you, you can't recede completely, can you? No, 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 sir. No, sir, never. No, that's right. No, we kind of got them on okay. the a little bit. How do, how do our guys feel now that they want it? Do they feel good? They feel, a lot of the boys feel real good about it, yeah, and I think some of the boys who even voted against us are a little happy about it now, you know. Great. We we changed four of them in Illinois. We got four boys from Illinois, Michael and Collier's and Crane and... And, uh, Isn't that wonderful? Ford got them to got them to withdraw their no votes and vote present. We got pairs for them. Uh, good. That made the difference. That's great. Oh yeah, right. great. It was great. Well, well, I'm glad it worked that well, way. Well, I appreciate it, Les. Yeah, you do. And right. gosh, we're on the team. Right. Right. Thanks for presenting. Hello. Congressman Frank, vote for you. Hello. Hello? Yes, Mr. President. I'm just thinking you and I get on that SST and go over to China one day. I'm in favor of that. Let's that's do right. it anytime. Well, anyway, that's a that's a great job and a great... I uh, just want to thank you and uh, all your team for... And incidentally, Frank, for God's sakes, Kent, if we can get a strong enough bunch of conferees, the Senate can't back you down completely, can they? No, you? no. My, my only problem is two of my conferees voted against it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Connie and Mitchell. Yeah. And I just gave them hell. How many do you? How many countries will you have? Well, I'll have on my side. I'll have Edwards, who's with us. Yeah. And uh, then the others will be uh, with us on the Democrat side. I think we can hold up pretty right. well. Well, do you, would, would, can you, will you have a majority? Well, of course, the conferees, majority. the conferees have to take the House position, and you're not about to recede. And, right. and, uh, but, of course, we're going to try on the Senate. to uh, It's awful tough there because to get those people to turn well, around. I read into the record today a statement Proxmire made back in 65 oh. in which he talked about the gold flow and the advantage of the SST. <laughs> And I think we can shove that right down his throat. Well, I think, frankly, if we could, pardon me, if we could just get, we got to get this Gambrell out of shift, Tunney out of shift, and Cranston out of shift. Because they, if they don't do this, they aren't going to get Lockheed. Right. If those well, people yeah. don't do it, they, they well, can't have Lockheed. you really played it, and I appreciate it. Now take a good rest. Thank you, Mr. President. Bye. May I, may I, while I have yeah, you? Yeah, sure. Something. Sure you can. Sure. I would like so very much if you could come to the enshrinement at the Hall of Fame this year. You need that in Ohio. Oh, in, in Ohio. Oh, the enshrinement of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Or oh, the football. It'll be a football game. Oh, I see. And you're going to enshrine Vince Lombardi this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can arrange to have you do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important. I'm going to send something down to McGregor and Bill. Well, Simmons. send it down, will you? Uh, yeah. A good look at it. What time of year would it be? It'd be in July, the latter part of July. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important. Yeah. Fine. Well, take a look at it. I'll get it to you. Take a look. Bye. Thank you, Bye. Mr. President. Hello. Boland, sir. Hello. Mr. President, how are you? Well, I just wanted to call you to tell you how grateful I am for your your just fine work in this SST. I know that uh, you take a lot of heat, you know, from the people that are on the other side, but without your help, uh, we, we could have never done it. Well, without that yeah. down there, we could have yeah. done it. I'll tell and, you that. And I must say that, uh, no, but you, you, put, you went in there and you took the leadership on your side, and uh, I'm very grateful, and I we're going to do our best to try to see if we can turn the Senate around. If we can't, we're going to make those conferences. Please do 
their best. Well, it's fine. But I think from the standpoint of the country, that's the main thing. Is that, great. And that's what's really involved here. Apart from whether we can go faster to Europe, you and I don't care about that. But my God, we don't want the United States to be number two in the place where we've been number one around exactly. the world. Exactly. Right. Well, I appreciate your call, Mr. Right. President. Thank okay. You yeah. I find that Congressman McFall's and route home. It'll be about 25 minutes. Should I leave word? Uh... Yeah, yeah. All right, sir. Congressman Mills, please, of Arkansas. Right. Thank you, Mr. President. Yes, please. Connolly. Thank you. Yeah. Secretary Yes, Connolly. sir. Well, we won it over there. Isn't that great? Yeah, I thought you'd be pleased. <laughs> and uh, I've, uh, we now, of course, have got to start working the Senate. It's going to be a very long shot there. Yes, sir. But uh, I don't know... Uh, I've been. I got a call in the meeting, but he, he's he's out. He's in he's in Georgia, and I don't know where to get him. But I just think if 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 we could possibly turn a couple of those guys, it could make it. But beyond that, even if the Senate, which is probably the likely course of events, does not go with the House, there is a conference, and in that conference, you're going to get something. Yes, sir. You got to get something. I. But I think it's just good for our morale, don't you, to win oh, one? Oh, no question about it. I, I think we ought to give it a well for you to run in the Senate, and I'm I'm not sure yeah. we can do it. But I'll right. personally go to work on right. it and see if we can. Well, it, the basic, the guys that I think, uh, I'm going to try to take a whack at Cooper to think if well, we let can me tell you how you swing him. Let me tell you how you can turn some, I think, you know, yeah. whether you want to pay the price or not. That's that. Mm -hmm. The thing that has most of these people upset, and God, I talk Withheld about, funds? Yes, sir. Yep. And on public works. Right. Public works withheld funds. Right, right, right. God, I talk to Ellender, I've talked to Long, yeah. and every yeah. time I call them, that's all they want to talk yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. It provided the ones that's withheld from it, the ones whose well, votes we well, need. Well, that's right, and, and right. I haven't analyzed it, so I right. don't know. Uh, that, that may not. All right. Whatever the price is, we'll pay it. Well, I think you ought to have what somebody, the hell? What the, somebody to look at it. That's well, right. I really think, if you yeah. can anyway, you ought to yeah. release those public funds because it puts you, in a, yeah. puts you in an impossible position to try to defend, holding them up when we're looking for jobs that's and we're right. asking for, that's right. you know, everything in the world. And, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, well, you're going you to see uh, Daly tomorrow, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yeah, I am. Well, he can't probably help in the Senate yeah. much, though. No, I don't think so. But I'll tell you the ones, really. Gambrell, they're, they're one, I'll tell you, the, the new senator from Florida, I don't know who's got a handle on him, but he ought to shift because of Lockheed. Right. Gambrell ought to shift because of Lockheed. Right. I'll tell you what, if you could tell the Lockheed people they ought to get the Gambrell immediately and the new senator from Florida, and, right. and, and it's only it's cold turkey. Frankly, frankly, John, I'll cool off on Lockheed if they don't come along. I understand. You understand? Yes. Sir. And they ought to know this. Well, Gambrell's father, yeah. Mike Gambrell, former head of the bar, former head of the bar, and has been general counsel for Eastern Airlines for thirty mm -hmm. years. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Eastern's got a slight yeah. interest. Right. Well, there's another thing. Another thing you can say too on this one. It is a different situation, see now, than it was. And, and I mean, in order, you see, these guys have got to have a basis for changing. Well, the financial situation is right. different. It isn't as much money. And you can make a commitment that the president's going to take another look at it next year, and then we'll, 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 it's going to cost any more money. But, but if Gambrell would shift, and then you get Cooper, you're within the ballpark. You got, you only, you see, if you shift two, then getting one more. I can talk to Lawton Child from. Uh, can you? Good. From Florida, and Good. I, I can talk to Gambrell, and yes. we'll do it. 
or try the two because the main thing is to talk to them before they before they the thing is if you could talk to them before they get frozen up I'll talk to them in the morning and say don't make a decision until we have a chance to talk to you that this is terribly important the other one is uh, I don't know can we do anything with Benston I'm going to talk to him I just really think that for the national interest he ought to now in view of the fact that the house is acted why does he want to obstruct you that's why you could you know he's a good citizen he sure is and I want to really talk to him He's, he's voted that way once now. Yeah. Yes, he's, he's made his point. He's lived up to his commitment. He's made his point, and he could say, well, now, under the circumstances, the House has acted, and we're going to have something, and this looks like the... Well, I'll and and uh, I'll work on Cooper, and there's only and there's one other one, and that's Clint Anderson, but I think Clint, I think the guy that... I think I think Jackson's got to handle him. I'll do. I'll try Cooper, and I'll try... Well, I can help on Clint. Can you? Yes. All right. Well, those are the names. Those are the only ones I can think of that'll shift out of the out of that group. You get three out of those, we make it. Well, I'll get. Clinton. So we only need three to change. Yeah, I know it. Because uh, because we got the we got the we got the chair. <laughs> right. See, so a three is a tie. Right. Right. But it, really, I'm. It well, looks like a different day. It sure does, and right. I think it's just wonderful. I, I really do. Changes the psychology a little too. Oh, of course it does. Right. I just think it's great. Great. All right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Mr. President, I have Congressman Mills for you. Thank you. President. Hello. Hello, how are you? I just wanted to tell you that I, how pleased I was that the committee got the, got HR1 out today. Well. And the thing, I know you had a, I mean, you've really been slaving on the thing, and I just yeah. want you to know how grateful Elliot was just in, went out and made a little comment about it, but uh, saying that I had, uh, was, how pleased we were, but I wanted you to personally know how much I appreciate well, it. I sure appreciate you calling me now. We've right. got about 24 very fundamental reforms, including what you recommended and what the committee's added. I think you're going to be very pleased with it. Tell me this, uh, with everything you've done, Wilbur, don't you really feel now that the, the Senate, uh, I'm going to I'm going to talk to Russell on those bills again, but this ought to cool some of that, get some of the conservatives in the Senate. That's yeah. that's our hope, isn't it? It's to get them back. Absolutely. They were the ones that blocked it before. Absolutely, and it's a much better bill than we have. Yeah. It's a very frank what is, yeah, what is your, what's your project, project uh, prospectus in the House? Well, we'll report it uh, Monday, so it'll be an amendment to H.R. Mm -hmm. what we we won't have to introduce clean bill. And then the report itself will be filed by midnight, uh, mm -hmm. May the 26th, which May 26th. we can take it up the first week or the second week in June. And then you'll have, uh, you don't have a closed rule on this, do you? Oh, we will have, yes, sir. Ah, good, good. Yes, sir. That's great. That's great. We've got tax provisions and, as well as... Uh, and you'll win. Security. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. They'll give it to John and me. Right, right. And uh, you'll have good conferees. Yeah, well, yes, sir. All right. John well, Bits and John that's great. Burns and, right. Uh, well, what I... I on my part, I will. Uh, I've already, as you know, had a talk with Russell and uh, Long and uh, and uh, Wally Bennett, and I will personally do work the Senate as hard as I can. I've said publicly everywhere, and I'll continue to say it uh, that this is a partnership bill between sure. the White House and the Ways and Means Committee. Sure. You've been in on all of it. That's right. Approve all of it. The committee approves all that you wanted, and you've taken some and, and and basically, basically, there's credit for all of us in it. Oh, and that's the way I played it here. I told Elliot, I said, and I'll just go out there and say this is one we all work together on, and that's what he said. I'm going to say it on the floor of the house when we get Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. I give my best to that cute little granddaughter. I'll do it. Any girl that comes in and says she loves me, I'm all for her. Well, you, know? you don't forget her. Don't okay. I'll never forget you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Smart. Yes, please. John Burns, please.
John Burns? Uh, Congressman John Burns you, of uh, Wisconsin. All right. Yeah. I find that Congressman John Burns of Wisconsin is in route home. Should I leave word at the residence? Yes, he can call. All right, something. sir. Hello? Yeah. Mr. President? Yeah. Can you talk to Secretary Rogers? Yeah. Fine. Hello. Hello. Hello, Mr. President. Hi. Hi. Are you uh, you going to leave this afternoon? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I just hear the helicopter now. I'm just going to go out and see. It's a, it's a pretty pretty nice day to be leaving Washington, isn't it? Isn't it nice? Just going down for Saturday and Sunday. Good. Uh, I was just going to make this suggestion. I just Monday. came back from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. <laughs> I've been testifying God on Monday. public television. I don't know it's going to come out, but we had a lot of wrangles. But the one thing I did want to suggest, and I think you might pass it word around, I think we got to be careful on how we handle Mike Mansfield because there's beginning to be some sympathy developing for him. I was questioned in public about Dean Atchison's comment that it was asinine. And uh, I could sense that even some of the ones who were with us uh, were yeah. offended by that. I, I disassociated myself from it, and I, but I, mm -hmm. I think we've got to be careful. Dean is, so, I see. Yeah. is such a crotchety old fellow that he's a sharp tongue. Yeah. And Mike Mansfield is such a nice fellow. Everybody's popular. Everybody's he's popular. I guess right. Point. Yeah. So I yeah. think we've got to be sure that we don't sound as if we're attacking him personally. Yeah, I get your and point. If you could just tell you. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, uh, we always try to treat him nice. Then is, uh, well, we're really just talking about votes now. That's what oh, it's all that matters. Yeah. All that matters. I had a long talk with Stennis last night. He called me at home, and I think we're making some progress. We just don't we don't get people sympathizing with Nancy. Yeah, yeah. When is the vote? Uh, Wednesday. Definite Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think we're and I'm going to be I'm going to meet with quite a few senators this afternoon. And. Uh, Boy, that's like having a boxing match though, going up there. Must be just unbelievable. Yeah, from every uh, angle. Uh, case and, uh, and uh, all those people. And, Everybody's uh, got their own pet projects. What uh, what kind of things are, did you go into? Well, like, I, talk, I, went up on this, everything. I went up to talk about war powers. Oh, know. the war powers thing, yeah. And I had a long prepared statement. But then we talked about everything. My God, they talked about the Mansfield thing. and Salt. Talked about salt. salt talks and, and yeah. Vietnam and Laos and over Cambodia and oh god you know it's a, an obsession with them well yeah, they uh, it's sort of an obsession because they feel they should be consulted is that it running it yeah they really think they should be running it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not I sure know. but it's, it's not been it's it's always been the case the Senate has always had that feeling it uh, sure. was true in the Civil War and World War one World War two you know it's one of those things it just won't work that's the problem it just won't work that's right all right, have a good time. Well, anyway, they, uh, we'll we'll try to see that. Uh, I don't think I don't think anybody is taking him on, but I Mansfield. But I think the actress statement would hurt. I got the point. Yeah, they, there was criticism of having you know that old gang down there, yeah. the old coal warriors, and mm -hmm. attacking poor Mike, who's such a gentleman. Why the hell did you do that? And that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next, Mr. Well, I'm talking to Schultz. George? Yes, sir. How's the railroad strike coming? Well, the railroad strike is uh, the strike is very effective. Yeah. So the sure. railroads what? are shut down. The uh, Hudson has testified uh, before a Senate committee to have the uh, men put back to work until July 1. That's our proposal, you know. The hearings are set for the House for 10 a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning. It's 
possible that we could have action on all this by tomorrow sometime, depending on how fast they act and the extent to which uh, people decide to play around with the proposals and argue about whether whether it's going to be a straight extension of time or whether there's going to be uh, money involved and how much and so on, which uh, Javits is sort of inclined to do at this point, I understand. The, um, if, if the strike runs for more than uh, three days, it can have uh, give the economy a real wallop, and that's what we're most concerned about. I think if we can get back to work by tomorrow, it won't, it won't have a serious impact. So yeah, we're, that's why we went right at it this morning, first thing, and have been after these people. Staggers is the chairman of the House Committee that, that considers this. He went to the railroad station to take a train back to Washington this morning and found no train running. Uh, he's also the man who has refused to have any hearings at all on, on the emergency transportation bill that he sent out years ago. So that's where we stand on it. The negotiations, um, they worked, Bill Ussery worked at it from every angle imaginable. First, the people are out striking to get an increase over what others have agreed on and uh, that settlement is already just uh, outlandish. It's uh, 12 percent per year for yeah. three years. Young man, and the railroads are broke to begin with. So it's a very unreasonable position there. Nevertheless, they do have the rail network shut down. I think that that we should see what the situation is tomorrow and how this thing begins to shape up. And if, it, and if it looks as though it's going to drag a lot, then, um, then I think you might consider some special appeals to the union to get these people back to work. Because if it goes longer, it's going to have quite a serious impact. That is, it's uh, amazing to see how fast uh, auto assembly plants, for example, are, are going to be closed. Right. They'll be closed if it goes in, goes in longer than two days, right. and so on. And, uh, it, it can have quite an impact on the economy if this is, as, as the economy is really beginning to go. Right. The other hand, that can be recovered as long as they, as, as there isn't too big a uh, sort of a crescendo of shutting down, but then has to reopen and kind of get the productive processes linked up in a balanced fashion again. For example, if, if, you, if you start getting steel furnaces shut down, uh, then it takes them a while to get going, <coughs> get that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, I, well, I don't think uh, we if should. If you want to bring in those uh, signals of tomorrow, let's do it. Why not? Well, don't hesitate to. All right. Don't hesitate to do it. We've got to really, we've got to put the arm on them. Let's do it tomorrow. All right. Well, suppose we see how we stand with the House Committee tomorrow. Yeah. We should know what time. Yeah. The I meet the leaders in the morning, and I'll fill in. I'll leave.
All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, again, we ought to be banging on the fact that we've had no hearings on the basic bill to help get this straightened out. Yeah, we ought to be... That's not going to get the strike settled. No, 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 no. But I'm the signalman. I'll, I'll talk to them. I don't, are, they, are they totally unreasonable people? No, they're, they're not. And, uh, well, then let's get them in. I think that uh, they look good. Maybe tomorrow afternoon, if it looks as though right. we're hung up, then we might try to do that. But I'd, I'd suggest that we wait and see tomorrow morning how the House goes, right. what, what goes on in the Senate. And if it looks as though we're going to get a resolution by tomorrow night, then I think that's all right. But if it's going to drag on, no telling where it goes, and probably you have to take some other course. Yeah. You may not know by tomorrow noon. Well, I guess. Uh, well, we we won't know for sure, but I think we'll we'll have an idea. For example, in the hearing with Hudson this afternoon, they were pretty perfunctory. They didn't badger in the way they have on some other occasions, and they seem to have a sense of the fact that there's a real problem here. If the House has some straightforward hearings and then uh, goes into executive session of the Senate has got something yeah. going, why maybe maybe we'll be all right. But if, if the whole thing has an air of acrimony, we'll have to think this over for a few days and so on. Yeah. I think we should move. Okay. I'll keep you posted on it. Okay. Secretary Rogers, please. Thank you, sir. Secretary Rogers, sir. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Mr. President. How'd you get along to your breakfast? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> They're all well, we, we work in these fellows. You know, it's. Uh, uh, I just had to. I hope you probably assume you took the same position, but they brought up the Matthias Amendment this morning, and I I said, well, I, the whole idea of reporting every six months and so forth, I said, it's. it's uh, we just can't, can't take it. But of course, uh, these guys are all looking for something to vote for, mm -hmm. and uh, there really isn't anything we can give them, is there? Yep. As a matter of fact, the, I was just talking to, we, we had a pretty good group down. We had Stevenson and Childs and Gallings. Yeah, and I saw your list. Well, uh, the, the, the trouble that they're going to have is to draft anything that makes any sense. Take the Matthias resolution I have in front of me. Yeah. It starts out and it says, Congress renews its support for NATO. Yeah. And, uh, and then it says, we're supposed to, the president is requested to enter into negotiations within the NATO framework to achieve mutual and balanced force reductions in Central Europe. While we're doing that, yep. uh, the next sentence, uh, paragraph, is the President has requested to negotiate with NATO on the reduction of U.S. force levels. Now, if that isn't absolute kid stuff, for Christ's sakes, we can't negotiate with the Russians and be negotiating with our friends to, to do the same thing. No. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous, you know. Yeah. They and then, well, the other thing is that we report on the negotiations every six months to the Congress. If you're going to have successful negotiations, you can't report to anybody. They're yeah. reporting, you know, while well, we, we, we've negotiated and so forth, and we lay all the negotiations out. Who the hell's going to negotiate with us if they know everything's going to be out on the table? Yeah. But the, uh, to me, that's, it's really ludicrous that they'd ask us to, you know, why isn't, the, why isn't the Soviet Union going to take our negotiations seriously if they know that we're going to be forced to reduce anyway? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that the, the way to do it is the way we're doing it. And, uh, well, they think here, uh, these fellows, I, I've got to go over now to do some legislators. Incidentally, I'm going to postpone our meeting to Lamar because I've got the, uh, I didn't, they have 150 state legislators in there. 
yeah. purposes of the of, of revenue sharing. And oh, fine. Go over and gang them. So I'll I'll uh, we, I'll probably get in touch with you around noon. We'll work work out a time tomorrow. We can get together. Okay. Or or maybe late this afternoon if we can. Whichever you say oh, yeah, is fine. fine. Uh, well, that's good. Tomorrow I morning, if it's at about at around 10:30 or 11, will probably be a good time. But I'll we'll, I'll let you know. Right, but on this thing, I think the line can we uh, the line I took was that I have yet to see any compromise we could accept. Is that the line you took? That's right. People? And uh, they asked me to look at, and I said, well, we really didn't want to look at it. We just, you know, I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be involved in helping them draft anything. No. no. Now, if the last minute. If they come up with something, yeah, and it looks as if it's about to pass, then we can, then we can make some comments. Well, certainly not the Matthias one, Bill. That that one we can't take. No. Uh, you agree on that? Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> the question is, what, uh, what in the last minute? Uh, I, I don't know anything. Well, some one in this. some ways, uh, I just wouldn't have a lot of steam built up for the Matthias one because uh, the first part of it is so, uh, yeah. so incomprehensible. Yeah. That the you mean have it pass? No, no. Just have them all sort of think this is a pretty good one, and then yeah. then make the attack at the last yeah. minute. I get it. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, famous friend. He's really a no. Oh, he's okay. terrible. Thanks. Please? Secretary Rogers, please. Thank you, sir. Hello. Secretary Rogers. Yeah. Wasn't that a great vote? Yeah, 63-26. And I understood that uh, is uh, does Matthias the one that they expect the most trouble on, or yeah. is this? No, this was uh, this was an attempt to water. I didn't watch this one. What was this one? Well, this was a vote. This was a amendment by uh, Nelson to amend Mansfield's yeah. to make it a little less harsh. Wow. So this means that the Mansfield thing is clearly defeated. Yeah. But what about Matthias? Well, now Matthias is is. Uh, one that has quite a lot of support. We don't know how the vote's coming out on that, but I've, I've, I've sent Stennis a letter. That's the one I talked to you about yesterday, which right. says, in effect, uh, negotiate with the Warsaw Pact to reduce our forces on a mutual basis. Yeah. Next paragraph says, negotiate with your NATO allies to do it on a unilateral basis. Yeah. Yeah. So I've written a pretty strong yeah. letter to Stennis right. has it, and Good. he can use it if he wants to. I had one idea that I'd like to run by you for a minute, and uh, it's, uh, it's highly delicate. But it, uh, but it might be worthwhile in relation to our relations with Mansfield. And uh, just think about it, think about it. <clears throat> uh, I deliberately am not going to inform the leaders of the meeting until after the vote, because I think it would be interpreted as, you know what I mean? They say, ah, oh, there's, you know, they, they, they were sort of trying to, see, we wouldn't tell them what it was about. Mm -hmm. And it would be considered as a power play. I think this is a good thing. I, I, I uh, to, to wait, in other words, we'll call them around 6.30 night after they have voted. Now, however, I wondered if possibly, if you thought well of it, or you can't do it with Fulbright, but I wondered if Mansfield, who is totally trustworthy, you you might go to see him or you know or, or, and say now look uh, Mike uh, I think you should know that after the vote the president that, 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 that I think you should know that there's been a significant development in assault that, uh, we learned about it last night mm -hmm. that the president did not want to tell it would be unfair and a power play to 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 have it uh, mm -hmm. confused with this issue 
but that we are going to call after the vote for a leaders meeting tomorrow that I can I, I, it, it, that utmost secrecy is required etc now here's my reasoning and uh, I don't get anybody else uh, uh, I don't know I don't know, around here that uh, of course that trust Mike as much as I do I mean no sure he's but I trust but what I meant is uh, most of the most people don't think she did but I I mean like the only ones that I'm just I've only talked to Bob about it and uh, Bob Holloman but here's a view that I have just just running it out before you before you respond on it it would first uh, sort of heal uh, you know the, the rough edges of, of Mike's uh, you know uh, attitude here now we understand Mike's never going to be with us he's not going to be with us on troops and he's not going to be with us in Vietnam but on the other other hand Mike cannot be as hard on us if we're decent to him as you know he's been awfully nice to us in other words he he, he really has he said good things now second thing it really shows Bill it seems to me a uh, a pretty damn decent line with these senators. Sure. Uh, can you imagine how a Kennedy or a Johnson would have played this sort of a thing? They'd have, they'd have tried to do this to influence the vote. Right. Uh, third, Mike Mike will know that we leveled with him, that uh, we didn't uh, we didn't just figure up something right after the vote to call them together. Mm -hmm. But you could say, now, Mike, we've known about this. We've had a development that just occurred. I, uh, the president wants you to know he asked me to tell you, I want you to know that it's coming, that he's going to be calling the leaders, asked for a meeting tomorrow at 10.30. We must be kept in absolute secrecy so far. What do you think of the no, idea? I think it's a good idea. Good idea. Could, uh, well, now, well, I could go up to see him. Well, I think you ought to, uh, yeah, you see, because he'll have to be on the floor, but if you could go up to see him, and you could say that I have a, that, uh, uh, yeah, I can tell. Uh, I can, I can. But what? Uh, but is, isn't it? Isn't it a good idea? I think so. Yeah, and I would. Well, I just. No, wait. Let's say. It just. You're, there's no question in your mind that he will not say anything. We just don't want the word salt to get out any time before. Oh no, before I won't even. I won't now. even tell him salt. I'll just say there's been a development. In his significant. Field. That's, that's significant. We didn't want to do anything about it until after the vote. I want him to know it, and uh, we'll, yeah. that he'll be calling you. That you'll be calling him after the vote, or somebody. Yeah, will be calling. We'll be calling. We'll be calling. We'll, we'll, we'll be calling for to get the leaders together tomorrow tomorrow morning for a meeting we're going to call the leaders but we wanted him to know that this was going to happen that we did not want to because it is a significant development we did not want to do it today so that it appeared would have any effect on the the, the, the issues involved in the vote right. I think it's a good uh, good ploy I talked to Jerry Smith and I think he's going to be all right I explained to him the situation he's going to see you and I told him that as far as that he was concerned, that uh, that there was a limit to what you could tell him, but that uh, obviously well, it is hard. If he uh, knew that uh, you were thinking along these lines, and I had told him that I was quite sure that that you were favorably disposed to the general approach of this kind. And uh, well, after all, Bill, he and his people are going to be the ones that are going to bring it off. It's going to. Yeah. I mean, the negotiations now have to take place. They're going to bring it off, and they're going to. Uh, uh, they're going to well, be, I think uh, what he's got to do, he's going to have to indicate that uh, he knew in a general way, but not specifically enough so he had any responsibility uh, well, he can, to advise his colleagues. Well, he can be totally, totally candid on that because we didn't, I didn't know until last night at uh, approximately 5.30 or 6 o'clock about that time that they would go. I mean, that they, that was, that was the time before they even, they even, uh, before they approved the, uh, the, uh, 
the letter Harleman, the, the letter text did he did he mention that i think there's one sentence in there that's awfully poor english or maybe well it's a, too late to well in the now. public announcement yeah yeah i'll tell you why we can't change that that is not our the, the public announcement bill they prepared okay. they prepared a russian and english text you see i hope it reads better in russian well it's terrible it's terrible and uh i t uh, when i saw it uh, when i saw it on uh in fact, I saw it on uh, when they were still having it. I think I saw it Friday. I said, "My God, that is terrible." Uh, the uh, they they came back. Uh, the uh, I, you understand? I have not talked to Debrin at all under any all of it. I the my January message was forwarded, and I have not seen him in this period because I didn't want to get into it. But he he came back and he said, "Well, to change the, any part of the public of the announcement at this point would require another meeting of the 15 mm -hmm. because they've done this at the highest level apparently at the at the Congress, mm -hmm. and that therefore and I just so therefore since the substance was not changed, but it is terrible." language agree to agree to agree that's right but you see this is theirs not ours now the letter the letter on the other hand uh, the, the exchange of letters involves a joint that's a joint proposition but that, that isn't going to we, no, that none of that can be made public. The letters will never be made. I gave the copy back to Bob. I just do not have a copy yeah. over here. If I need one. I can. Well, look the public can have it, but but the le no, you should have the copy of the letters. Yeah, you keep them there. Yeah. But the letters are there. But you see, on the public announcement, if we tried to change it, I just didn't think it was worth worth getting into it now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, I agree. It's uh, when I read it, I'm going to feel embarrassed that I. That we, but that is not. That is basically. That is totally their text and not ours that's that is and uh, and frankly is better from the standpoint of substance even though the language is bad than, than the letter itself because it's more concrete on the uh, on the linkage right uh, a couple other other matters yeah. one uh we got to have a delegation to go president park's inauguration one agnew wants to go agnew yeah. i was yeah. going to recommend him i didn't want to talk to him until yeah. i talked to you yeah good that's fine i'd like for him to go uh, i think it's good for him to to, to have that kind of uh, visibility uh, you saw Utah made a suggestion about the uh, Adams for Peace in Geneva. Obviously, this is not something you'd want to consider. Um, I thought I'd, it also, he suggested possibly, what he's trying to do is get the Chinese there as well as the Russians. Uh, I think what I'll do is say it's no as far as you're concerned and probably no as far as I'm concerned. Um, but well, let's see what he has in mind. Where does he? Uh, he wants to. Where does he want to do it? At Geneva. Geneva. What? What they're having? It's a. You know, it's the one where President Eisenhower made his yeah. Adams for Peace proposal, and it's the anniversary of the thing. I forgot, tenth or something, in fifteenth. Mm -hmm. And what he had in mind was to try to invite all governments, including Russia and oh, China. Uh, and he thought not not all to participate at the same time, but just be there. And he thought it could extend the yeah. Chinese thing. Well, obviously, you don't want to go. No, I shouldn't. Uh, Not at this point. And uh, would you keep yours open a little? Seems to me I just keep mine open. A little. I think you should keep yours open because it might be, uh, if this thing sorts out, it might be that you would that uh, be good for have you go. It yeah. depends really. Uh, walking the tightrope between the Russians and the Chinese, and I just don't know what. Well, this one, uh, you could play it either way. Yeah. What I'll do is keep uh, it open. In other words, you could go and make a speech, I, uh, yeah. and and not even see the right. Chinese. I think you could say the you could say uh, well, by the, by the same token, or you could go and make a speech and see them. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you so, wouldn't. He he said yeah. that you could. Yeah. He, he would. What I meant is that I I think uh, what I meant is that it just might be an opportunity for us. Well, that's what I mean. You you yeah. could keep your options. When's the date? September six or that week. Open. Keep it all. Keep it open, but have in mind the fact, have in mind the fact that as I told you today, 
you know, there is a possibility that they'll come back with an offer, and if that does, that just knocks everything else out. Sure. Because you will we'll all you sure. will have to go to the other place. I understand. Okay. Uh, all right. One other thing you said. Yeah. Oh, oh, one other thing. Yeah. Uh, Laird is is uh, is uh, being. Uh, I will see Laird at two o'clock. He's being uh, brief now, and uh, he has been told that. Uh, that the only person in the government, because naturally he'll be sensitive about it, the only person in the government that knew that uh, we had, that I had made this approach, you know, from which has now been accepted, was you, yeah. that you've been informed, which is true, of course, because you were the only one that I did say that I was going to send a message or a letter. So when, uh, but, but Laird will be sensitive about this, and I just want you to know that, but we've, I've, uh, Henry's briefing him on the papers, and then I'm going to see him, but he will be, he will be told that if he raises it by, you can say that you had the no because of others, but we haven't told Smith. And the reason we haven't, we didn't want to get the thing debated until we knew we had a deal. Right. Okay. Okay, fine. Thank you. Secretary Rogers, please. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Mr. President. I uh, wondered if you uh, had any, uh, had, a, had your talk, uh, uh, what, what if anything came out of your Mansfield talk? Well, Chapin told me you'd, you, uh, yeah. well, I talked to him and I, I just told him that uh, there'd been a breakthrough mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and that, that you could have announced it earlier, but you didn't want to because of the vote. Yep. You'd worked it out so there were going to be simultaneous announcements. I said it's not, it's not, uh, a conclusion yet, but it's very hopeful, mm -hmm. uh, and it's something that President has undertaken himself, and it's been it's very successful, we think. And he's going to have a meeting with the, with you and the others tomorrow. And you're the only one we've told. And I wanted to let you know this, and mm -hmm. President mm -hmm. didn't wanted you to know that we we didn't want any leak at all or anything. So I didn't tell him very much Good. except that. Yeah. And he seemed to be appreciative. Uh, we still have a little problem with this Don Mathias resolution. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, Bob Holloman just uh, told me that you, uh, I understand the damn thing isn't going to come up till 7 o'clock and it's very close. Is that yeah, right? and I'm just, I just finished talking to Percy and I'm going to try to get Cooper. Uh, you know, you know, the real problem is, uh, Bill, is that, damn it, uh, these guys would only could only just wait. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if they could only realize they're going to look better tomorrow. Well, I told I didn't tell. When you I you can almost Percy. imply that. I said, well, I said to Percy, I said things are going damn well now. Yeah. And well, why right. do you? Why don't you support the president? Why do you have to have something? You say I voted for the president. What's wrong with that? I pointed out that the bill didn't make any sense as drafted. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd make some other calls. I'll, I'm going to call Cooper and a few yeah. others. Yeah. Yeah. When you call Cooper, you might just tell him that you and I have talked, and I just consider this, the, the, for reasons that he will know later in the week, is enormously important. I put it to him hard. Could you do that? Sure. Because uh, uh, I've asked John to do things, and sure. and he's uh, sometimes done them and sometimes he hasn't, but I just say that for reasons, I just can't tell you anything, but I just think it's something... You don't want any. We don't want any leaks or anything, and I wouldn't tell him. But, but one thing about Mike, Mike will never leak anything. No, he won't. He is awfully good that That's way, right. and he and he will appreciate the fact, Bill, that you called him That's because right. tomorrow when he hears this, it's going to be like a dash of cold water. That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, not. I mean, he'll he'll like that it's done, but it'll be like a dash of cold water in the sense that here after he was 
you know, putting up an amendment to tie our hands that we accomplish something. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me, I'll make a few calls. I'll try to get... What time is the vote? At, uh, oh, another o'clock. hour, so they're not too sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What does it count? What do you have? Uh, uh, well, I think it's it's still fluid. Very Most fluid. of them don't know. You yeah. know, they all think now Mansfield is beaten. Yeah. And they think this is innocuous. Yeah. And in a sense, it is. It doesn't. It isn't controlling the way the yeah. other was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they want to vote for something. They want to know. vote for something, yeah. and they have most of them haven't read it. No. And first uh, he kept saying, "Well, I this is not the spirit. This is." And I said, "Come on, Chuck. It's not the spirit. It's what's written on the piece of paper. The piece of paper says that the president should yeah. report every well, not that, but she should negotiate with the Russians on the one hand. Yeah, yeah. For mutual reductions and negotiate negotiate with NATO for unilateral reductions. That's now, right. nothing could be more mutually inconsistent. Yeah. The second part destroys the first. Uh, be uh, right. Yeah. Well, I, that's you, right. You can't you can't uh, negotiate with NATO unilateral or unilateral, and then negotiate, and then that destroys your capacity right. to do the other. And I said in my letter that I sent to Senate, he hasn't used it yet, but I told him he could if he wanted to. I ended up by saying the reporting procedure is very simple because we can tell you now what the report is. Progress in our discussions and negotiations with the Russians on mutual reductions. Are, the, the progress is none. <laughs> Good. It'll Good. be none every time until. Uh, if it looks as if they're going to put pressure on you to reduce our forces unilaterally. Yeah. And now that'll make us look silly at NATO. I said to Percy, yeah. what the hell can I tell the NATO people? They go, <laughs> gee, he's a great stand-up son of a bitch. Isn't he, though? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll make some <laughs> Good luck. Okay, thanks. If you remember when President Nixon was working on those bills for Congress, he started talking to one of the congressmen, and that guy invited him to speak at the National Football League Hall of Fame ceremony honoring the then the late Vince Lombardi, who is widely considered the greatest football coach in the NFL history, after all the uh, the trophies named after him, the Lombardi Trophy. But here is President Nixon, living up to his promise that he had made to this congressman as he worked to get uh, a bill through Congress. And talking with people about football, the way he played it and the way it's played now, a look at the old helmets. Those things were an invitation to some knocked out teeth and the old uniforms. They used to play both ways in those days, as the president knew. Both ways without anything like the protection the players have today. And then passed the bus of the new members to be inducted into the Hall of Fame and have just been inducted. And as he approached Vince Lombardi's bust, an interview with my new colleague, the New York football giant immortal, Frank Gifford. Well, Mr. President, I know of uh, your fondness, not only for sports, physical fitness, and, but also Vince Lombardi, who's being honored here at the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, he was a very special man, I think, to so many people. I think you felt that. He was very special to me, mainly because I read about him and admired him as millions of Americans did, who saw what a man he was. He was a great coach, as you, of course, know. Uh, but more than that, he was a fine family man. Uh, he was a man who loved his country, and he set a magnificent example for people all over the country. Uh, I think that if you were to pick one man who has more caught the imagination of uh, the nation in the field of sports, it's probably Vince Lombardi because of his character. He certainly had that. Of course, the other inductees that are being inducted in the Hall of Fame, Wyatt Tittle, uh, Jim Brown, Bruiser Kennard, yeah. Andy Robustelli. Well, I, re- I remember so well the time that I 
met both Y.A. Tittle and Andy Robustelli was in your apartment, Frank, mm -hmm. in New York in 1962. You know, in those years, you had those great giant teams. I don't mean they aren't so great now, well, but... Close to a championship yeah, team. Well, they were championship in my book, and I... Uh, recall uh, the great time we had and what fun it was just to sit there and talk football. I've often thought that if I had my life to live over again and didn't go into politics, I'd like to have your job, you know, be a sportscaster, a writer. Just we to, do have a good seat. Yes. All right. Well, possibly if I'm not too old, you'll give me the chance some later. Well, I've heard you do a very <laughs> fine color job once before. Where did it, the interest uh, in football, uh, uh, physical fitness, athletics in general, I know you're a general sports fan, where did it begin? Uh, Back at Whittier, Whittier maybe with uh, Chief Newman, the head coach? Yes. Uh, Whittier, as you know, right next to Southern Cal is a small college, but uh, with a very fine football tradition. And my coach, Chief Newman, of course, was an alumnus of your college or university, University of Southern California. As a matter of fact, he was an All-American. A great player. A great player. He played uh, uh, tackle uh, and, and fullback both in the days when they went both ways. He, he played uh, tackle on defense and fullback on offense. But the Chief... Uh, in a very interesting way, was a lot like Lombardi. Uh, he was a fellow who produced good teams. Uh, I think the thing that I remember most about him was uh, his attitude about being a good loser. He said, you ought to be a good loser. But being a good loser to him, he says, you got to hate to lose. you got to hate to lose and get up off that floor and come back to fight again. And he got that into everyone who ever played for him, or as I did, sat on the bench and was on the taxi squad. And uh, I think perhaps uh, that may have had an effect on me. I had to lose a little before I won. Mr. Nixon, I know, uh, excuse me, Mr. President, Mr. President, I know, it's very difficult now. I know you were a fan of the Los Angeles Rams, uh, a very good fan of the Giants when you were in New York, a fan of the Washington Redskins. Do you, have a, do you find it difficult now to uh, pick a team, uh, to root for it, oh. just like it all? Well, first, Frank, as president, uh, I have to be very nonpartisan. And when I go to a game, consequently, it's very difficult because I like to be for a team for a man or for a team. I don't mean being so much against the other team, but for somebody I know. Uh, but what I have now decided is the best rule is to be for the team in which the city I happen to be living. Now that's the Washington Redskins at the present time with George Allen, who incidentally, as you remember, coached at Whittier before he went that's on right. to the Chicago Thank Bears you. as a defensive coach and then on to the Rams and now, now to the Washington Redskins. Uh, I will, I've told him I'm gonna come out to the I'm gonna root for the Redskins. But let me say that when I'm in Los Angeles, I'm rooting for the Rams, uh, or when I'm in San Diego, I'm with the Chargers. You name it, and I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. I know I speak for Mrs. Lombardi, uh, Marie, all the inductees. I know how terribly honored they are to have you here. Well, I think it's nice that she is going to be here tonight, and I think also, Frank, speaking of the fact that Vince Lombardi was such a wonderful family man, a deeply religious man, uh, that this is his 31st wedding anniversary. It would have been tonight. So the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame, that she's here on this day, which must have meant so much to both of them, I think is very significant. It couldn't have been better put. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Bridging the Political Gap. If you've liked what you've heard, please share it. And we would love to hear from you and your thoughts on, on our show. So if you'd like to, please leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, thanks again, and so long for now.